0: Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our Da Capo Conversations, a mini-series where we'll be giving familiar segments a topical twist. Today, we revisit Eleanor Armour's and Pamela Z's perspectives on being a woman in a field that is so often male-dominated. Here's what Eleanor Armour
1: had to say. I, I never have really uh, thoroughly answered that question uh, for anybody, uh, but I, now that you ask me, I'm remembering Uh, When I first started working at at the conservatory, which was in 1969, uh, (laughs) um, it it didn't occur to me that being a woman was 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 a part of the picture, you know, I, I. And also, I wasn't I wasn't particularly high profile at that time. uh, And uh, the women's movement had really not begun. (laughs) Uh, But as I continued to work there, uh, a few years in, uh, I was hired at uh, UC Berkeley also to teach uh, harmony and uh, musicianship uh, for a couple of years and no, for one year. Uh, I wasn't rehired because I didn't have a Ph.D., but anyway, <laughs> um, I I did not quit the conservatory. I remained after that. And then, of course, at that point, I was into teaching uh, in the collegiate division. And then we got a graduate division as well. And then I founded uh, the... Uh, the composition department at the conservatory in the mid eighties. Uh, and by that time, uh, one's gender uh, was uh, a matter of discussion and, uh, you know, politics and so on. Uh and, as I saw that happening and I moved in on the wave of, of of the women's movement, which came to music later (laughs) than it came to a number of other uh, subjects. Um, I began to see that, uh, I was being noticed as a woman in, in the field of composition, uh, even, and composition teaching as well. Uh, and, uh, as such i i did not become militant i just continued doing what i was doing but i it raised my consciousness to the point that i wanted very definitely to be a role model for other women and younger women and to to try to uh, get more women applicants uh, to the composition department and indeed in our first years uh, we we had as high as 50 percent of our applicants being women it it comes and goes very much as the women's movement does Mm -hmm. the same as any other so-called movement it's it's not a movement anymore it's simply a fact Uh, and i'm i'm very happy to have been a part of that it it was actually uh during the 80s uh that my partner and I uh, had a family and this was very celebrated by everybody at, at uh, the conservatory our first child was born uh um, just before a faculty meeting. So I called in, said, I can't come to the faculty meeting because, because Donna has just had our first child. And, and President Murdoch at the time announced this uh, to, to the faculty and everybody applauded. And they were all happy. I have to say, one of the things I am most grateful for in my uh, whole life's uh, trajectory... Is my long, long relationship with the conservatory because I really grew up with them. Mm-hmm. My my own self awareness and my own career and my own uh, output and so on uh, are are completely parallel with with the growth and development of of the conservatory. Uh, so I haven't even left yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm getting into my old age uh, and and the conservatory is just coming of age. So <laughs> with all of its fine new building and and new programs and so on, I'm, I'm very thrilled to be a part of it. You know, I I was educated at Mills College, which when I was a student was really a center a very, very exciting center of musical activity and innovation uh, for the Bay area. And, uh, since that time, the conservatory has become that. So I tend to go where the action is.
0: <laughs> Here's what Pamela Z had to say.
2: Well, I can say that, um, as somebody who's been doing this for many, many decades, um, People are wrong if they try to tell you that there hasn't been any change or that there's no, it's certainly not over. It's just like, you know, people who thought, Oh, racism is over because Obama was, president." <laughs> you know, it's like, it's certainly not fixed. It's not done, but Oh, it, it is so much different that it's so much more. Um, I can say that when I first started doing this, um, I would just, the, just the stereotyping of like, you know, um, like I used to walk into, um, when, when I was playing, when I was playing in clubs all the time, I would walk in with my gear and somebody who was there would see me come in and say, Oh, you're the musician. You must do reggae. And I'd be like, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I don't.
2: you know, um, and the other thing that I would get is, um, I would set up all of my gear myself because I, have for years, I've been very, pretty much for my entire career, I've been pretty independent and doing, you know, doing all of this stuff on my own. So I would show up at a gig and I'd set up all my gear. And after I had it all set up, some guy would come up and go, oh, this is cool. Who set this up for you?
0: (laughs) Or wait, can I help you get it the way it should be? (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Or I would go to uh, um, an electronics store or a music store and I would ask for a particular thing. I need a quarter inch connector that's this and this or that, you know. And they would be, well, what are you going to use it for? Which was like, basically they assumed... I probably didn't know what I was doing and maybe I might be buying the wrong thing, you know? <laughs> and so that, that used to happen all the time. Um, also whenever I was on a compilation, uh, album of electroacoustic composers or whatever, um, I would generally be the only woman on it and probably, and probably the only person of color on it as well. Um, and, that is simply, I mean, it's, I, it's certainly still is a heavily sort of white male dominated field, the field that I'm in, but it's much less so than it used to be. And, um, and I'm, and in some cases, women have really taken the lead. Like, you know, people who, I noticed at one point that people who were doing live performance with live, with like, especially with voice and processing. Um, but sometimes with other instruments and processing that women were the leaders in that for a long time, you know? Um, So that was kind of, that's, you know, that's kind of interesting, but, um, but yeah, I've noticed that people are much more, um, I mean, I think it happened for women before it happened for people of color, but like, um, you know, festivals you can look at the roster of who's performing, especially like in my situation, like, so I'm on the steering committee of the San Francisco Electronic Music Festival. I was one of the founders of it. And actually the founder, founder of it is a woman of color as well, um, um, Mia Masaoka. And um, we started this festival 20 years ago. Um, and Mia sort of like assembled a bunch of us and said, let's do this festival. And we put together a steering committee um, and we had been producing this electronic music festival for 20 years. Um, I'm the only sort of lifer, it seems like all the other people, including Mia that were on the original, you know, founding steering committee are gone, but I'm still there. And it's a bunch of new people, but I am, I'm proud to say that of all the electronic music festivals in the world, ours is except for ones that are, you know, women women's festivals are you know um, uh, ours. I would say has consistently been the most diverse and the most balanced um, gender-wise, right. um, especially. Right. And um, so, if you look at uh, the list of artists who played on the San Francisco Electronic Music Festival, you'll see just as many women there as as men. Um, but if you look at all the other electronic music festivals, uh, in the world you'll see that it's not so um it's still i mean they are all having some women now but you know it's still you know
0: thank you for listening to four good measures de capo conversations and a special thank you to our guests for joining us today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends posting about it on social media and leaving us a rating and a review to learn more about e4tt our concert season online and in the bay area or to make a tax-deductible donation please visit us at www.e4tt.org this podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the california arts council and generous donors like you for Good Measures produced by Nanette McGuinness and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to co-producer and audio engineer Stephanie M. Newman. Remember to keep supporting Equity in the Arts and tune in next week for Good Measures.